Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City jazz singer, songwriter, flautist, and motivational speaker, Bukeka Blakemore. She opened up with Neon Jazz about a great many things going on in her very busy life. She was born with the name Gretchen Elizabeth, and at six, she chose the name Bukeka. It means adorn one in a language spoken in South Africa. In 2000, she released her first CD, self-titled, and then in 2016, she released an EP entitled just like the phoenix there is another one in the works an expanded edition of the phoenix in 2019 she is always spreading the message of hopefulness and optimism via her words and her music so get to know her and dig this interview my friends first of all thank you for taking some time out for neon jazz i appreciate it oh i'm so excited i can't even tell you (laughs) i love it i love it so let's start off here with the ever-present and I want to know if you have any projects on the horizon, any CDs or music in the works. I completed uh, about six months ago an EP, or I launched an EP, and I'm working on finishing that to a full-fledged album. And I'm also working on having one of the songs reproduced in a, a more epic way called Just Like the Phoenix, and it really has a lot of potential, but it really needs the choir and, you know, big drums and, you know, timpani, all of that. So I'm I'm working on getting the resources together for a much larger production of what is currently on the recording. Let's go back to the beginning of your life. Were you born and raised here in Kansas City? Actually, I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, really during the height of Motown. It was uh, a, a wonderful time to be in that area. And uh, so there was lots of, of, of exciting, you know, buzz going on with, you know, the Temptations and Diana Ross and Mary Wells and just, you know, all kinds of people that you just would see, you know. Uh, some of the writers, you know, Johnny Bristol, they, they were, you know, part of our, my parents' network of friends. And so it was, it was, it was a great time to be in the, in the Detroit um, area. Pontiac is probably about 30 minutes, 25 minutes north of the Detroit area. Well, that's interesting because I always think about Detroit being akin to Kansas City being kind of a cradle of of music, and there was so much going on, you know. Yes. When did you come to Kansas City? I came to Kansas City in 1981. I've been here for a long time, and uh, the reason why I am, am here is both my parents originally came from the state of Kansas, my father from Wichita, my mother from Atchison, both music educators, both jazz you know, backgrounds and classical, but jazz as well. And uh, so when I wanted to find a place to study music, I decided to come to UMKC. And my mother was telling me, oh, my gosh, there's going to be so much fun. There's all these jazz clubs that are going to be there. And, of course, at that time, in 1981, 82, that was not the case. <laughs> we really grown and expanded uh, and 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 redeveloped that uh, you know that beautiful era of you know of Kansas City um, the way that it was probably when my mother did frequent here when she was um, a young adult. It took some time to get some traction uh, for me as a vocalist in the in the jazz world in Kansas City. 
Talk to me a little bit about your given name is Gretchen Elizabeth. You're talking about your parents, and they were uh, they they allowed you to change your name. Talk to me about that name change and what that meant for you at that point in your life. Well, uh, yes, both my parents uh, were very active in civil rights. My mom actually uh, wrote a lot of civil rights children's songs. So she wrote songs about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Sojourner Truth. And as a music educator, she uh, created these children's songs that you know were absolutely amazing. And my father was the head of the civil rights offices in Detroit and in Battle Creek, Michigan. So we were always having meetings at our house, and we had people from all you know um, parts of the world, and I was little Gretchen. I'd walk around and <laughs> and mm. they'd say, "Where's little Gretchen?" And, and you know, and I just remember people having all these phenomenal names. Then after, by the time I was six, I was like, you know, I'd rather have an African name. And they were gracious enough to uh, allow that to happen. So I went from uh, Gretchen Elizabeth to Bukeka Bosede. The reason why I loved the name Bukeka is because it had in the description that uh, many princesses were named after this. And, you know, I'm six years old. I got a pink bedroom. I got a canopy. I'm like, this is the name for me. And then uh, Bosede is, uh, means born on Sunday. So we had that, um, actually added to my birth certificate, uh, but I've been Bukeka Bosede ever since I was uh, six or seven years old. So at this point now, you're a singer, songwriter, flautist, a motivational speaker. So when you were growing up, what did you want to be? What, what was your dream to be what you are now, or did you have other aspirations? I was just asked that question earlier today. I really believed and would vision myself as a singer songwriter, vocalist on stage. Then perhaps when I got closer to graduating from high school, I, you know, I thought, well, maybe I should become a, a communications major. Maybe I should major in journalism and become a, an anchor, you know, of a, of a news program, you know, something that's you know, a little bit more stable than, you know, being a, a musician. And of course, you know, I always had the, you know, my, my parents in my ear because they were concerned about me wanting to do it in a performance fashion rather than uh, an education fashion. But obviously I chose the performance route. <laughs> well, and speaking of, your first CD was released in 2000. It was mm -hmm. self-titled and it had right. a track, Light a Candle in Your Name. Talk to me about kind of that dream realized of getting your first album out and just kind of hitting the streets with it. It was incredible because I, I had written a, a music uh, with um, – uh, a band, uh, a, a funk R&B band in the, oh, I guess the mid-80s. And, and the songs were very much in that, uh, you know, lyrically of that genre, which is, you know, I can't live without you and, you know, baby, you're all I need. And and, and that was an extension of, you know, everything that you would hear, you know, from, from Motown and everything. You know, that was that was kind of what the, the, the lyrically the way that R&B went. Then... We had a change in the music industry, particularly with black music. There was much more, uh, there was R&B bands took a back seat and up came 
rap. And I, I have a, an appreciation for all forms of of, of music and our, in our, in our, in our artistic talent, including, you know, hip hop. But at, at that time, a lot of it was, you know, was, was pushing R&B, you know, out of the way. And I, I couldn't find myself. I could not find where I, where I was supposed to be. And so for five years, I didn't write anything. But I began to become very spiritually inspired, was, you know, dealing with, my worthiness in the world, and from that, I started to write songs about that and, and positive, personal, reaffirming uh, lyrics to um, music. When that happened, I had a wonderful friend who uh, you may know. Uh, his name is Rick Backus. Rick uh, heard what I was doing and took a strong interest and produced my first CD. And that was, it was an incredible moment for me to, you know, it was my first uh, recording and to just hear, hearing it back at me, these messages that ultimately ended up doing so much for so many people were, were also for me as well. And so I was touched, uh, very grateful, always grateful for Rick Backus for taking that uh, leap of faith uh, with me and that really just launched everything. So it seems like you've had kind of a five-year-plus path to releasing successive projects in your life. What do you view each of these projects, CDs that you've put out? Are they an evolution of you? Are they where you're at in the time? How does that look? How, does, how do you see that as a timeline progression of you as an artist? A couple of things. Because of the types of songs, they took a life of their own. I was able to uh, become well-known in, in, in lots of inspirational circles. And so I traveled with that first CD, also found that it was a platform for me to expand on those messages. So one of the songs, like you said, I'll Light a Candle in Your Name, was one about friendship and remembering special you know people in your life. And there's a song on there called I Am Worthy of Love. And so uh, it really gave me a platform to not just do the music, but to also be an inspirational speaker. Those, as those events um, were were on, you know, as I'm on this journey performing these songs and speaking about the, these experiences, it just led to more. The way that music comes to me, it's definitely life experience inspired, and I will hear uh, a lyric in my head and. All of the in, the uh, instrumentation that you know that follows with it. I am fairly well versed on piano and flute, but that's about the extent of it. And I hear everything, every you know, the guitar, the bass, the drums, everything. So I have to rely on my music family to extract these things out of my head. So you know, yes, it it was a it is a very evolutionary type of of, of experience, and I do rely on the the inspiration of life to feed the, the lyrics and, and, and music that ultimately have inspired each each album. Now, this most recent one, just like the Phoenix, the EP that will ultimately be a full-fledged album, I did want to work with, uh, other, uh, with, with another songwriter just so that I could have a different perspective or broaden my perspective. I met a woman by the name of um, T.L. Jones, a great songwriter. She can write in pretty much any genre you can think of and so we collaborated on three songs and one of them is the title track which is just like the phoenix which is just it, i i i mean i 
I, I think it has huge potential in film um, licensing. I really do. Uh, and and it again it tells a story of the, the lyric kind of goes or it, it goes there's no mystery or myth as to how long I've been doing this inspiring possibly in the millions those I may never see and so when people hear that it's their song it's their song too they it's their same um, so it's you know just like the phoenix I'm I'm rising again so it's a part of that evolutionary journey but and yet it also is timely. So let me ask you this. You've been here since 1981 in Kansas City. You've seen a lot of things change, not only with jazz, but with the general music scene live in particular. What changes have you seen that has led up to right now in 2019 that makes this time in Kansas City one that is pretty special, especially for the jazz community? I think one of the most phenomenal things is the designation of Kansas City being the city of music. UNESCO is the United Nations Education, Science, Cultural Organizations. Uh, Anita Dixon, who has been a longtime jazz promoter and lover and supporter uh, in Kansas City, uh, three years ago set out to see about getting this designation, and she was successful. The other thing that that, uh, she has also done is she has procured a designation by the Department of Labor so that being a musician is actually an apprenticeable profession, which it wasn't before. With the Department of Labor, that did not exist. So she's had a a big role. I think the other thing that's happened, even though Power and Light does not have, you know, its own kind of jazz persona, but because of the, the, the Power and Light district, there's just been a stronger appeal to people coming into the city as an as as having an entertainment district. I think the jazz district is doing very well when we um when I first came here or well, well, not first came here but as that was uh the jazz district was starting to kind of rebirth it was it was kind of slow and coming but now on the weekends you go down there and there's hardly any room to park which is fantastic. So I think there's just been a real desire on the part of the city through various changes in, in, in uh, city administration to see Kansas City have a stronger role in uh, or play a stronger part in in the jazz community across the in in the world and as of uh, recently with this uh, UNESCO designation and now having some things on the horizon for teaching jazz. As, as an indigenous form of music, I think it's just even, it's going to be even more amazing. You know, the one thing that we learn so much from in our lives, we have education, you can be on stage, you can travel, but seeing live shows. So my question to you is this, what live jazz shows, probably more early on in your life, did you witness that really left a deep impression on you? Sarah Vaughn. Wow. I saw her live. My mother took me to go see her, and I will never forget it. It was the most amazing sound I'd ever heard. And when she passed away, I I, I felt it in my heart. It was it, it was it was amazing. Al Jarreau did a concert at a place in Michigan called Pine Knob. Fantastic. So I've had a chance to see some amazing jazz icons 
when I was younger, you know, that, you know, were left a, um, a, a very strong in, impression on me. But then again, there was also just my parents' albums. You know, I was one of those kids that while they were at work, you know, I got out of school at about 2.30, 3 o'clock. I'd come home and I'd pull them all out. I'd put out Dinah Washington and Ella Fitzgerald. And then also a lot of the instrumentalists of uh, like Jan Ackerman and Jazz Crusaders. And I would just listen to it over and over and over again. So it's been a very big part of my life. The one thing in this next question has been hatched because I've spent a lot of time outside of the Blue Room on 18 and Vine. I look up at that sign, I think... Man, if I could just snap my fingers and be here 60 years, 70 years prior, mm-hmm. where would I go? Who would I see? My question to you is this. You get into a jazz DeLorean and you go down, you pick a time period. Who are you going to see live in Kansas City off 18 and buying? Ooh, <laughs> Billy <Yeah>. Holiday. <laughs> Would love to just walk in and see Billy Holiday. Obviously, you know, Sarah Vaughn, you know, all the, you know, if I could just, if if that were the case, I think I think Billie Holiday. I think I would just like faint if I could walk in <laughs> and see her standing there. That would have been um, amazing. You know, just to hear you know Count Basie. I have a funny story. My I have a um, or a, a, an aunt, kind of like a great great aunt that used to come up to Kansas City from Atchison. Uh, she and, and my grandmother would hang out at the Mutual Musicians Foundation, and she said sometimes she'd get on the piano, and she, you know, later on in her life, she was like, Count Basie took my song. <laughs> I, I know he awesome. took my song. <laughs> yep, that's it. That is it. Yeah. So why do you love jazz? I love it because it is, a way of a, a, a very free form of musical expressions. It, it speaks to the soul, I think, of our country because it has so many roots, not only in in in, in various cultures, but of course, you know, in, in African American culture. And so that, of course, as an African American woman, that means a lot to me. I think that it is something that is is a treasure. Um, because it does, it, it has stood the test of time in the music industry uh, over, um, you know, lots of, you know, massive ways of producing inter- instrumentation, and and, it, and it's a it's one that that allows us to keep learning how to play music and how to sing uh, and and structure uh, songs in a way that's not uh, canned. Uh, so it ha- it has so many educational um, uh, benefits, but it also has a lot of soulful expression that I think that people really love to tap into when they hear it on, on any type of instrument. Um, it, it, it just goes very deep into the soul. I agree. So my final question to you is this. Everyone has a version or a perception of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans. But you know yourself best. So who do you think you are? Well, I think I am. I'm a woman who is resilient. And I know that I'm here for a reason. And despite life events that, you know, that just happen because we're, you know, human beings, I find that no matter what, um, no matter what's happening in the music industry, 
you know, how much money you can make or how much money you just absolutely will not make or whatever it is. My soul, it's here to express in that way and it just has to do it. And so, um, and I know many people, you know, like that. You know, I could say that about Lonnie McFadden. I can say that about, you know, uh, Ida Macbeth. You know, what, you know, once it's there, it just, it, it, it's who you are and, and you just do it no matter what. I love my life. I love my family. I love, I'm, I'm very thankful, so grateful for the, for the gifts that I've been given and, um, and I'm very happy to, uh, to share it. Beautiful. I think that's a great way to wrap everything up. Thank you for taking some time out to talk about your life in Kansas City, your life in music. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and honor as well. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in Kansas City and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Bouquet Cup for her time, her music, and her words. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.